So Stefan Sindoni, he's a researcher, a truth seeker. You've heard him here on Coast to Coast several times. And from an early age, he was an avid reader. He spent much of his time learning about American history and ancient civilizations and religions and Greek mythology. And, of course, he's got this quest to uncover ancient truths. And he came to a realization that he was an old soul living in a new embodiment. And we're going to hear about all these really cool things that he has discovered along the way and he has found out along the way. Why? Because he's actually went out and done it. Maybe he does research with books and different things like that, too. But he goes out and does it. And that's what I suggest you guys do as well. When you have these questions, don't bombard us that have seen it and done it ourselves. Go out there yourselves. Go check it out. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Be brave. Let's make it happen. So Stefan has um, lots of different videos out there. He's a documentarian as well. Check out his videos. He's uh, got a lot of great things to look at and learn, and he's been all over the place. And one of the areas that I want him to really get into and teach me and teach you guys is underground. Is it a possibility? Again, hollow earth and maybe different civilizations. I don't know. Let, let's, let's, let's find out from him. So, Stefan, welcome to Coast to Coast. It was so great meeting you on the phone. We have so many similarities. And um, I'm looking forward to the stories you're telling us tonight. Well, I thank you, Connie, again, for having me on. I'll just give a quick little opening as to really who I am, a snapshot. Sure. I am Stephen Sindoni, longtime Hollow Earth researcher with a number of websites out there, Hollow Earth Exposed for one. And I am a secret truth, as you mentioned. In around 2007, I was first introduced to a book called The Smoky God, A Voyage to the Inner World. And it's a story about a father and son's account of their voyage into an inner world where they were received and rescued by giants who they spent two years with these inhabitants and visited the original Garden of Eden. Olaf uh, provided uh, maps and drawings to author Willis George Emerson on his deathbed. He waited until he was almost you know, dead before... He shared this story. So The Smoky God is a voyage in the world in the book presented as a true account written by author Willis George Emerson in 1908. So this didn't happen that long ago. And it describes the adventures of Olaf Jansen, a Norwegian sailor who sailed with his father through an entrance in the north interior into the, the inner earth. And I was enthralled by, by the story. As a child, I remembered the reading about Jules Verne's novels, Journey to the Center of the Earth. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that piqued my interest, where I felt compelled. After reading this story in the book, you know, I decided I was going to narrate it in 2011 and add it to one of my YouTube channels, because I was really, you know, I was just mesmerized by it. And I said, you know, this is going somewhere. I don't know yet. But I want to go research it. So in 2014, <clears throat> I was contacted by a fellow Hollow Earth researcher whose name is Chris Baird. And he asked that I investigate the life of Norwegian sailor Olaf Jansen and to figure out if Olaf was a figment of author Willis George Emerson's imagination or was he truly a man that went on his journey to the inner world. So with that information, I said, okay, I'm going to go into the library and do what I do and investigate the life of Olaf uh, Jansen. I had just recently done researching the life of uh, 
a Stockton mystery, the legend of J.C. Brown. And I was able to discover that the man of the legend was really by the name of John Benjamin Body of the Lord Cowjay Mining Company. And he was the man for 90 years or so that the Stockton record was trying to figure out who was this man who shows up in 1934 talking about giants. So I was able to recently solve that. While I'm solving that, I was putting the Stockton record newspaper about you know, uh, that I solved that Chris had called me and said, can you do me a favor? He goes, I need you to do this. So I looked, at, you know, my friend who was there in the room, I says, you want me to do this? He says, yeah. He goes, because you have the ability, I just have a feeling that you're going to find out some things about this story. And plus you did the narration of it. And a couple of years after I did the narration, the audio books, uh, LibriVox, I believe it was, they actually did uh, the book as well. So there's like a couple of versions out there. But I initially was the one who put it out on YouTube for other people to pick up on it. And I'm glad that I did. And uh, this story is all of Jansen's personal account of his voice in a world which got him locked up by his uncle Gustav Osterlin. And he was, who was a man of considerable wealth, but Olaf was incarcerated for 28 years for telling mm. the story about Ugh. what happened in his travels with his father in the inner earth. So Olaf, you know, while he's in prison for this 28 years now, he decides he's going to create maps, drawings, write his memoirs, and write his book. So at the age of 51, you know, in 1862, he's now released from from this madhouse that he was in for 28 years, wrongfully, you know, committed. And he dared not say anything to anyone. So what he did was he waited his whole life till after he retired. He went out to work doing what he knew what he did best. He was a sailor, a Norwegian sailor. He went back out for about five years, worked for someone, uh, Jans Jansen. And then after that, for 22 years, he bought his own ships and he sailed all over the world, and he made a fortune. At the end of 22 years, he's now retired. He decides to sell all his boats and come to America, which he does. And he spends 12 years in Chicago area before moving on to Los Angeles in 1902. In 1908, he decides he's going to tell his deathbed story. And he, he meets a man by the name of George, Willis George Emerson, who befriends him. In around the year, uh, was it 1906, and they become friends. And then within a couple of months later, he gets a phone call by messenger. Actually, a messenger comes and gives him a note and saying, "I'm dying. You need to come here now. You need to hear my story." So, Emerson, Willis George Emerson goes to the home of Olaf Jansen to hear his deathbed confession. And before you go any further, we'll be right back to tell you that information. I love the fact that. His name was Willis. Yeah, you all caught that, right? Everybody, you're listening to Coast to Coast AM. Connie Willis here talking with Stefan Sindoni. Stay with us. This is going to be fantastic stuff tonight. Welcome back to Coast to Coast AM. Hi, everybody. I'm Connie Willis. Hope you're having a good evening. Good morning. We're talking with Stefan Sindoni, and Stefan was getting right to the climax, right to the final part of his story. So, Stefan, I'm just going to let you step on in and go at it and catch us back up where we were. Okay, well, uh, the year is 1907, and uh, author Willis George Emerson meets uh, Olaf Jansen in uh, California and becomes friends with him and... uh, gets summoned uh, a couple of months later to the house of 
Olaf Janssen to hear his deathbed confession about what really happened. And when he was summoned to the home, uh, he uh, was told by uh, Olaf that people need to know the truth. And this was Olaf's dying wish, and he would give him all the maps and drawings that he did uh, throughout the time he was incarcerated to share with the world what he learned on his voyage. And he was very, very concerned that it wouldn't be put out until he died because he said, I spent 28 years in prison in irons, and I know this won't happen to you, author Willis George Emerson, but I don't want it to happen to me again because here I am for sharing my story with uh, the uh, ship mm. captain, Angus McPherson, from the whaling ship. He immediately put me in irons and uh, kept me in irons until I got all the way back to uh, uh Norway, where Sweden, where I came from, uh, Stockholm, and uh, when I told my family and my uncles w what happened and where I was, I had a rich uncle uh, named uh, Gustav Osterlin, and initially his uncle was, you know, happy to hear his stories, and he took him to some officials, and I'm sure Olaf showed some of the drawings and maps that he had, and not long after, his uncle Gustav had him committed to a madhouse for 28 long years. Mm. Isn't that something? And you know, you know that later we're talking with Dr. Hasseltine that's going to uh, talk about how you cope with when you see these things and how you cope with how other people react. So it's amazing. Uh, you had pointed that out to me as well. That's amazing that that is threaded in like that. So. Because you think about it, because what he told the, uh, the author is that in, not only with his drawings of the inner earth, the map, he has maps of the inner world, and he said the world's geography is incomplete. And the true home of Apollo is in the inner world and where the Hyperboreans lived. So all these stories of antiquity mm. may not be myths or legends. They may be actual truths. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I tell you, when we get to why I, I'm making this uh, uh, statement now, you realize that something happened very sinister in our country's history. And I'm going to bring it to light. And why Columbus's name should not be the name that we remember for discovering America. Olaf Janssen's name should be known for discovering the inner world. And this is what my hope is going to be, because once I share with you what happened to suppress this man's information, think about it. Today, in real world today, you see something, tragic event, you know, a false flag event, let's just say. I'll just throw it out there. And next thing you know, you're discredited. And you're put behind bars. And you mm. know what people believe. They believe whatever newspapers print or what they tell them. So here's a man who doesn't want to go back to confinement. And he's not going to have this story come out until he closes his eyes for the long sleep. So when mm. I'm reading this and watching, and you know, watching this unfold, I'm saying, okay, what does a writer need? He needs solitude to write. If you're going to write a book... You better be able to have the peace of mind to do it. A lot of good books are written in prison. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You're right. Uh, just, you know, the funny thing is, is that you have all the time in the world, yet you don't have the time to do what you have to do. But Olaf said, "No, you you might have knocked me down, but you know, I'm like the weeble that wobbles. I'm going to get right back up." So when I'm reading the story, I says, "Wow, why do I feel so resonated with this man? What is it?" And then I realized that. By me taking on this story tonight, I am divinely directed and creatively connected. Because when I weave this all together masterfully, everybody listening is going to say, Stefan's got the goods. And we want Bring to it know on. why. And Bring I'm it on. When we get there, why? Now, 
We talked about all of one of the things I want to do right now, if I can, Connie. Sure. I need to establish the timeline for all this because a lot of people listening and they Absolutely. probably haven't watched the Smoky God or, or even watched uh, my Smoky God revealed revisited for my uh, my research to see what I determined upon reading the book and going into the library and actually rolling up my sleeves for a number of years to figure out is this fact or is it fiction? So if I can briefly go into who Olaf Jansen was. This will help the audience there to understand really what I'm talking about and the significance of why I'm, I'm uh, making this point. Olaf was born on October 27th of 1811 on a fishing voyage. His mother and father were fishing, and he was born in a country called Uleborg. They put the, uh, the party boat to shore, and his mother gave birth to him in a Russian country. So there was no birth certificate for him, but he was born on a fishing trip with the parents had gone to, they were fishing in the, the Lafayette Islands, which is where Olaf was from. So this is something that when he was born, and then he, uh, at age 14, he started going out with his father, Jans Jansen, on fishing trips. And some of the trips they would go to, they'd go to Lafayette Islands, and they would fish there, and uh, they, were, they were merchant seamen, they were fishermen. But one day, Olaf's life changed. His father set out for a fishing trip, but as they went on this fishing trip, they decided they were going to go a little further than they normally went, and they ended up going through an inner world passage after going through some rocky waters and noticing conditions had changed. The weather was getting warmer. It wasn't getting colder the further north that they went, and they were perplexed by this. Going through this opening, they ended up just drifting along, and what they saw was... Uh, um, Penguins, nine feet tall, they saw that were like three times the size on the outside. They saw uh, Tyrannosaurus rex and all these animals that were supposedly extinct, living on the inside and thriving. They mm. then went further, and uh, they were picked up, believe it or not, by an excursion party boat. Now, this is in 1829. There was no excursion party boats in America or in the world at that time. That didn't happen until the Bronze Age, until the shipbuilding took place. So here, the father and son are looking at this excursion line, or probably looked like one of the ones, uh, the carnival or something like that. And the ship came over, <clears throat> and what they did is they rescued Olaf and his father. They had some sort of a, cane, a crane conveyance that took this little sloop up the boat they were in and brought it on the ship. Olaf and his father were, like, surprised to see that the men who picked them up were giants. They were 12 feet in height. Wow. So now, one of them ended up speaking English. His name was Jules Galdea. And he took Olaf and his father under his wing, and he took them all over their inner world, and they even met with a high priest or the king of the inner world <clears throat> and explained how they got there. And uh, they were welcomed, and they asked them, you know, what is it they wanted to do? And they said, well, we want to stay here with you for a while. And they did. They stayed there a couple of years, and they went to cities like, believe it or not, the Garden of Eden. Wow. The The real deal. Within the center of the earth. Now, another interesting thing is there's four rivers there. And if I mention the name of the rivers, it'll blow you away. One is uh, the Euphrates. Uh, the Gibbon, uh, another one was uh, the, uh, there's two others here. But there's four rivers here. And what was interesting, though, 
is that they are in the Garden of Eden, and they get to see exactly what the world was supposed to be. And they're told that the inner world was where everything began, and then uh, Noah, you know, the story of Adam and Eve about leaving the garden, was mm-hmm. going to go to the outer world. They were doomed. They were, like, punished to send them out into the world that we live in on the outside, on the surface. So you, you, you listen to this, and you look, oh, wait a minute, there's all these Bibles, all these versions, all these stories, oh, wait a minute, there is some truth somewhere here. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. Or maybe this man has it all figured out. So here it is, I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, okay, so what are some of his other discoveries? He says that the center of gravity is not at the North Pole, it's 150 miles below the surface. And that's why all these other explorers couldn't find the pole. And he cites some of their names, and he could have only done this while he was incarcerated in confinement where they would give him books and everything. So he was following what was going on with the inner earth. And he says, no, I beg to differ with you in your stories. No, there is no fixed North Pole. It's 150 miles below the surface. And from inside to, to outside, it's 300 miles surface. So when you get halfway down, you get to zero point. And there, as I mentioned, there were four rivers, Euphrates, the Pisan, the Gehan, and the Hedekel. And some of them are biblical. And what he claimed, that some of these explorers claimed, above the 60-degree latitude there, they said there were open water seas, and it was warm air there. So here they were. They were finding things that were not normal in that area. So the open sea revealed to me that why? Well, I, through my research, I found out the deepest waters in the world are there in Baffin Bay, which is near Greenland. There are also the strongest currents there and the strongest winds. So this would explain why no one's able to venture in over there, because those conditions would make it very difficult without the right sort of ship to, to, to traverse those waters. So that's another thing why this secret has been kept so long. Also, you've got the Russians in the United States, and they want to keep the secret. They don't want you to know that in Siberia, every other day, tusks are floating onto Siberian waters that are from prehistoric or different things that were, you know, washed out of that inner earth coming and landing on the Siberian waterfront there. So there are some interesting things here that have been discovered by that. So when I look at this book, The Smoky God Journey to the Inner Earth, I realize that the world's geography has got to be incomplete. Because if, this, if what this man is saying is correct, then he shouldn't be put in irons. He should be given a Nobel Prize for you know, the things that happened to him, you know, wrongfully accused and put in jail. I can tell you the timeline. Olaf and his father were rescued on a ship. This is 1829. They're taken. They see all these places. After about two years, the father gets homesick, and he wants to go home. So they, they, they meet again with the, the king of the world there, or the, the high priest there, and they told him of their wishes. And they said, well, we don't think you're going to be able to go back the way you came because of the waters and because you'll be going in the wrong direction. But we'll give you your boat back and let you guys go. And they gave them gold, and they gave them things to prove that they were in this inner world because they really you know, cared about Olaf and his father. Now, Olaf's father stood six foot six, so you can imagine how small he looked in front of the giants who were 12 to 14 feet tall. Mm-hmm. 
So this is interesting. And the Bible talks about giants as well. That's yeah, a lot of yeah. research about giants. So you look at this, okay, show me the proof. Where is the proof? What do you have? Okay, so here's where we get to that. So Olaf now, him and his father decide they want to come back. They try to go back the way that they came, to the North Passage opening. But they could. it took them three months to try to go nowhere. So they decided they were going to go south. Now, the rivers I mentioned run north and south. And they run to the pole openings or the aperture in the South Pole. So they decided they were going to try to traverse the South Pole. When they get to the South Pole opening, they find conditions are very difficult. And the father and son are in a storm there on the, uh, the South Sea, I believe, there in Antarctica. And the father gets knocked off the sloop. He ends up getting lost at sea. The son mm. tries to save his father, but he can't. So now he's left on an iceberg, right? Just him and the iceberg. His father's dead. It's freezing. Like, what do I do? I've got no food. I've got nothing. My sloop, my boat is just capsized. Woe is me. Luckily for him, a ship, the Arlington, a Scottish whaling ship, saw him on the iceberg. They came over and they picked him up. Could you imagine? I mean, come on, there's something to that. That's yeah. like, come on. Well, this gets better, Connie, because they pick him up. Angus McPherson, wow. now he is the ship captain, right? right? And his job is whaling, his commerce, that's what he does. He asked Olaf, he goes, well, how did you get out here? This iceberg, there's nobody around. You're in the end of the earth. So Olaf tells him the true story about what happened to him and his father. So they says, all right, you know, put your hands behind your back. What are you talking about? So they, the captain, Angus McPherson, thought he was crazier than a bed bug, and he says, you're going to be confined for this whole trip until we get you back home to Norway. Wow. And unless you change your story, he goes, I'm not taking the handcuffs off. <laughs> so it was because he thought he was nutty. It wasn't because he knew something he didn't want uh, to get out there. Yeah, I think it was because he thought he was uh, crazy as a bed bug. I mean, oh. that sort of a story... If it's not your perception, you may not want to believe it, especially if it, it's this magnitude. Olaf's quote, and I'll quote him now in the book, he says, the truth is stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. So Olaf mm-hmm. knew that after he told the story to the ship's captain, he was going to have a hard time getting back to his country. So he gets back four years and eight months from the day that he and his father left. And here it is almost five years later, and he finds out his family is dead. And his property's been sold. He comes home. He finds. And we want to hear, and we want to hear that when we come back. And don't want to miss a thing. This is great. I tell you what, I love the story. Stefan is awesome at telling it too. And man, I can't wait to get to all the questions I have too about what's going on in that inner world, what it looks like, how they got there, how you get in and out. And even though I told a little bit of that, I've got some deeper questions. So stay with us, you guys. You're listening to Coast to Coast AM. Connie Willis, and we've got Stefan. Connie Willis here on Coast to Coast AM. Hello, everybody. Our guest tonight is talking to us and getting to the, uh, well, I wouldn't say the final part of the story because I think it's just the beginning of it. We're talking about the hollow earth, and Stefan Sidoni is telling us the story of how he got to this information, what he knows about it, 20 years of study. And I'm excited about it because I had wanted to know what's under our feet. So, all right, Stefan, you, we, I cut you off again. That's so okay. start us back again. <laughs> Not in a do, rude way. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go into the timeline. So people need to understand the timeline that we have here. So when yes. the man's born in 1811, he starts going out with his father to uh, 
on, on, on the ocean there. And finally, on April 3rd of the year 1829, they go on this voyage and end up spending two years with these giants. Come back, he gets picked up two years later, which would be 31, by this uh, Angus McPherson on the Arlington, this uh, whaling ship, put in irons, taken back to Sweden. He gets there back 1835. <clears throat> He's returned home to find out his mother's gone. And uh, he finds out that his uncle does the dirty to him. After he tells him you know, what he found, he shows him things. He ends up putting him in a madhouse for 28 years. So now uh. he's released in 1862 at the age of 51. He spent mm. 20 years incarcerated over telling the truth. So now he takes a job with a man by the name of Jans Hansen to go fishing in the Lafontaine Islands, which he was familiar with. That's where his father and him used to go fishing. It took him five years of working for this man before he got his own, you know, fishing brigs, and he had a number of brigs. And he spent 22 years, you know, fishing and, you know, doing what he's doing, and he became very rich. He decided that he was going to retire and uh, he was going to come to the United States. So after spending 20 years working for himself and five years working for somebody else, he decides to come to the city of Chicago, Illinois, where he, he lived for a dozen years. In that time, he becomes an American citizen, right, with voter registration. He votes in the 1892 election is what he votes. So he's voting in this election for President Grover Cleveland and the other for Benjamin Harrison. So here he is. He's a real person. He's got a voter's ID. City records that, you know, ah. he's in Chicago. And uh, I even had his address of 304 Stephenson Street, which is funny. My name is Stephanie Stephenson Street, Chicago, Illinois. So, so here it is. I also get his naturalization record, which was dated September 13, 1892, which means that he became a citizen in 1892, a couple years after he got here. So here it is. He's in the record books, so you think. On uh, 1901, he moves to Los Angeles because he's retired. He had money. And in 1908, he tells a story to the author, Willis George Emerson, about what happened to him and provides him with maps and drawings and detailed accounts as to why we have the incomplete geography of the world. So here it is. Here's a guy. Then he dies. So I'll, I'll pick up the story from here. So I, I read all this, and I said, well, I'm really into this. So my friend gets me to come out of retirement, I'll just say, to go to the library and do what I do. I'm, a, I'm an investigative researcher. That's what Stephen, I do. How, do you, how do you ever retire from that? Come on, you never retire from that. No, That's well, a know, love. It's like the Godfather movie. Every time I try to get out of here, they drag me back in. <laughs> well, I get phone calls, and like people tell me, oh, you're going to take that phone call? Yeah, I got to say, oh, you're going to do that for that person? You do a good job, too. You do a great job. Somebody's got to do it. So here I am now, and here's where I cut to the chase about what I learned. So I'm looking. I said, what do I know? So I write down all the clues that I got from this. And one of the things that stuck with me is Angus McPherson, this Scottish captain, right, on on the ship to Arlington. He picked him up. He drops him off. He has him in chains. Is this guy real? Does he exist? Well, lo and behold, I find Angus McPherson on the 1841 Scotland census. It lists him at 45 years old. He gave his date of birth of 1796. He was born in Inverness, Scotland. His parish, his county was Inverness. Uh, 
He was listed his occupation as a merchant seaman. He had uh, other household members. So I'm looking at this all. I go, wait a minute, there's more to this guy, Angus McPherson. I even had his death record, you know, as September 7th, 1875. And listed on there, death place, merchant marine at sea, Great Britain. So here he was, he died at sea. And I got all this information. Anybody wants to do it, they can go to uh, FamilySearch.org and start looking into Great Britain's death and burial records for the years 1775 to 1988. So I go and I learn all this information, the microfilm and everything. I says, my God, this guy does exist. So here it is. Everything that was said, you know, from Olaf to, uh, George, to Willis George Emerson about his travels in the earth, they're checking out. And here's everything there. Well, wait a minute. I find him in Chicago. I find him in L.A., you know, in, in a Los Angeles City directory, and I found his address at 331 West 45th Street, Los Angeles. How many Olaf Jansons can there be in 1906 or 1908? You know, that's, that's not a common name like my name is. So I realized that I'm on to something with this. But what really got me was then I found out, you know, and if anybody listening can watch it in my Smoky Guard Reveal Revisited YouTube, I came out with my findings as to what my research was. But what I found looking after finding Olaf on the uh, naturalization records of 1892 and knowing that he voted in 1892, then I said, well, I should be able to find the census for 1890 because Olaf was, you know, in the United States a couple of years already, and he's a citizen, you know, thereafter. Well, here's the kicker for everybody listening. This should upset some people because it upsets me, but I'm going to try to tone this down when I say it. What I learned is that the 1890 census, there was a fire in 1921. Now, the book had been out from 1908, but in 1921, somebody decided to torch the Commerce Building in Washington, D.C. As a result, 50% of the records were lost, 25% were left, and 25% were like hard to figure out what to do with. So here it is, they've got these records that were, might have been destroyed under you know, nefarious uh, reasoning, and, uh, but yet there's still historical value, 1890 census. So that census, supposedly there was supposed to be about 75 to 78 million people who were on the census. Well, when they did the first tabulation, they used this machine to do it. The first time they used this punch machine, and they, they felt the the numbers they come up with, like 55 million or whatever. So people realize, no, no, wait a minute. You know, that, that census is far off. So they tried to bamboozle people and let them know there was less people, but the people weren't buying it. But after the fire, in 1933, Congress, the Senate, got together and they passed an act of Congress. And what they did was they had the 1890 census records ordered to be destroyed. Oh. So now, oh. They purposely, oh. and this was in the first 100 days of the infamous uh, beginnings of uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So hmm. Don't ask me what I think of him. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I got uh, you. here it is. Angus McPherson picks him up. We've got the information. We know that, you know, this is a real story. The guy became a citizen of the United States. He didn't come over the Mexican border. He was a citizen. He got the papers to prove it. And so what happens next? The, the, the census now is destroyed. No records of it. And on that census, 
I'm sure there were people like Native Americans, other people that were wrongly, you know, killed or whatever, or the Chinese or people built the railroads, whoever was here in that time frame in the, in the, uh, the Bronze Age to build this right. country, right? That's right, that's right. All these people who came here, don't they have a name? Don't they have a purpose? Don't they have a beginning? Aren't they part of our history? Mm-hmm. I'm pissed off. I mean, here yeah. it is. You think about it. Land of the free, home of the brave. Whether these guys get the gall and the and the the moxie to go ahead and destroy a national record, who the hell do they think they are? Above the See, law? Yes, above the law. And that is why the system has to be changed because Olaf Jensen, unlike Christopher Columbus, who wasn't even Italian who didn't discover anything, because everybody was here already, gets credit for, you know, the new world? No. The, the universal world has been discovered by Olaf Jansen, and this American citizen needs to be recognized, and a day should be created for him, because once this is all proved out, people will realize that what I'm saying is true. What I want to know is this. Whose name was on that census that the government doesn't want you to know. Okay? Yeah. They destroyed the census. And what is the government? What don't they want you to know? What are they hiding? And why? Here, I, I'd here, like to know why, Connie. Here's my question. Do you think, because, cause look, I, I've seen things that, that I'm told is not supposed to exist. I've, I've seen things, and a ton of people have seen things that are not supposed to exist. And, it's, and, and the big thing is when you do, you're going, well, well, everybody needs to know this. Everybody needs to know this. You kind of feel that way. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is real. This is real. But then it goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. I mean, it goes on coast to coast, right? It go, You know, we all talk about it. We know about these things, but that's about it. Now, my question is, is it really the government or is it somebody else? Well, Do you, you think it what? might be somebody else? If it's somebody else, you know, they're the ones with the deep pockets. The cabal has been around for a long time. And they are controlling things so that way we are on prison planet, like some people have websites that say that. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. I just yeah. look at it this way. You know, uh, it's, it's the truth, and you got to tell the truth, and sometimes you're put in prison for it. And Olaf Jansen, you know, paid the price for telling it like it is. I think now, what my, my message is tonight is that anybody wants to be a researcher, you know, I'm, I'm giving you uh, the ability to do that. Look up the uh, the Congress, them destroying the records, and ask your state officials, tell us why. Why would you do that? Why would you break the law? You're not above the law. Just like you, when you get uh, the official report for 9-11, you're breaking the law. Tell the truth. I'm tired of people blowing smoke and say, oh, this is the truth. Why? Because it printed in the ink is dry? No, it's not true. Did you go to the library? Did you go through books? Did you have sources? Who did you ask? How did you find this information out? Because everybody wants to, oh, I got it on Google. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, watch that Google. <laughs> Google it, Google it, Google it. Well, yeah, so <laughs> What I'm giving you today is priceless. You're not going to get this on Google unless you go to one of my websites and you get it. But you know what? There you go. My, my life has come with a warning label, you know, like, uh, you know, this is dangerous, you know, hazardous to my health because I speak things that most people, like, wow, where does he get time to research this? Well, I'm outside of the box. Everybody else is working. They're dangling the carrot. they got to make money. I get up whatever time I want. Oh, that's the, the difference. That's the dream, baby. You want when you want. <laughs> that's right. And, and you know what I like? Say, 
I do these things because I have passion to do these things. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Nobody's going to dock my pay. Nobody's going to fire me for what I'm Well, that's why you can. That's right. That's why you can. And I love it. You're, you're exactly, you are living the dream, you know, to wake up when you're rested, to go to sleep when you're tired, to eat when you're hungry, and nobody telling you what to do. But that's why you can do that. That's where you're at. And, you know, a lot of the world is living what I call the human experience. And because you're living the human experience, first of all, you don't even care about all these other things that we have uh, looked into and that we all enjoy here on Coast to Coast AM. They don't even cross those lines. They don't even think about those lines. But you know what? That's okay. They're in a whole other world system set up for whatever they came here for. But you... I'd like to say, history has a way of repeating itself. Yeah, we can't yeah. again, let these congressmen, these senators, put stuff past us without nobody reading it or, or passing a law or a bill when these guys are out on vacation. They all have to, so, maybe this will help because people say, wait a minute, we want to know the truth from now on. Here's one for you. This is the truth. Yeah, good luck. Eric the Red, right? It was Eric Thorvaldson, known as Eric the Red, was a Norse, Norse explorer. And he's remembered in medieval times. He lived around 19, 950 A.D. But he disappeared after taking a settlement of people to Greenland. And when they went there a couple of years later to see where he was, what happened, they found no people, no nothing, no buildings, because they had no timber they couldn't build there because Greenland was, like, flat. But what they were told by the Eskimos that he took his people off that island I mean, of Greenland, and they took a 30-day boat journey up in the north winds to the north land to go into the inner earth, into the, the land of milk and honey. This is what they were told by the Eskimos there. Nothing remains have ever been found about Eric the Red. This is a mystery that has gone on for over a thousand years. So let me, so let me go into that, that inner world. I want to hear... What that look like? How did they get in? Where's that opening? If is the opening okay? If you say it's the sea, okay, they're in the sea, and then there's an opening, but then it goes into the earth. How how is that? How do they? How's that? How's that happen? Well, what's explained is that this father and son they were near Franz Joseph Land, and they were fishing, and as they kept going there. The water uh, started getting murky, cloudy, and all of a sudden the temperature got got. Warmer, it was like England-type weather. It was balmy. And when they went further, they realized that the conditions had changed. The compass was erratic because there's no true North Pole because the pole is 150 miles within the Earth going south. So that's why Peary and all these other explorers all thought they were, like, hallucinating because the compass went nuts. Well, the reason why it nuts is there is no gravity. The gravity exists 150 uh, miles below the earth, the zero point. And that's how this thing all is able to happen because we were not intended to be on the outside of the earth. So all these old stories are true stories. One of the other things that I'll share with you, and I'll bring it forward here, uh, there was a Russian nuclear accident uh, on April 26, 1986. Now, on your show, Coast to Coast, my old friend, I love, Art Bell, brought on Jan Lamfrecht as his guest. And he told Art, that when this Chernobyl accident happened in uh, Siberia, all the way down at the South Pole, radiation was discovered at the South Pole aperture. And also that the, the Earth rang like a bell, like it was hollow. And there were other planets that were hollow. And I'm saying to myself, well, wait a minute. 
how can it be that this nuclear, you know, tragedy, this accident can be, you know, detected at the South Pole? I mean, it had to go through the inner openings to get out to the other side in order for it to get that far on the outer Earth. So you realize something's not right here. Now, one of the things that isn't right is the Antarctica Treaty System. Now, you can find this on Wikipedia. In 1961, 12 countries, and I'll list them, Argentina, Australia, Belgium, Soviet Union, Chile, France, Japan, United Kingdom, New Zealand, Norway, South Africa, United States, all got into this treaty, and it was increased to about 55 Arctic stations there. And they said that the area of 60 degrees south latitude was off limits to anybody who wanted to come to Antarctica. Uh, with Stefan Sindoni. Stefan, I want you to finish what you are getting to, and then I want you, you got to tell me the visuals down there. I can't wait. I'm so excited. All right. Well, let's start with what, what we do know uh, <clears throat> on the outside. The Siberian Orc in Siberia travels and migrates from uh, the uh, Siberia all the way to uh, the South Pole, Antarctica, makes the trip. All we've got to do is take this bird and put a tracking device on it, and it'll show whether it makes that trip on the outside of the Earth or the inside. There's a lot of animals Ooh, that migrate from uh, the 60th parallel all the way up in the wintertime. Like, why aren't they going south? Or why, why aren't they going where the weather would be uh, warmer? Why are they going north? You know. So here it is. These two things would help prove it. Another thing, where is it opening? I'll give you a place where it's opening. In Antarctica, at the Trans-Antarctic Mountain Range, at the 17,000 feet level up on the mountain, there is an alien face at the entrance of an opening where ships fly in and out. It's 150 degrees below zero at that point, so nobody's going up there. But yet somebody carved and chiseled in the face of this mountain, beware, aliens present, you know, symbol in the rock. I mean, I have a website, Hollow Earth Exposed, where I show the photo of this and actually show oh. you what's on the Earth. You know, I give you longitude and latitudes. I probably, I, I've given it to you all. I'm probably the official website for the hollow Earth in the world. I've got a very large repertoire of different things I've discovered, which I've shared tonight, and my research for anybody who wants to hear what I've talked about tonight, Smoky Guard Reveal Revisited, which is on YouTube. You asked me about openings. There's many, many openings around the world. The problem is uh, dead men tell no tales. So you go out there and be, be wary. You better take a posse out there. You better take enough people with you so that way you can do what it is you want to do because in all likelihood you'll be stopped along the way and turned away if you're going to a certain area where there's, like, no flying over the North Pole. Why? Why are not planes not allowed to fly over there? What will they see? So this is and is it is it attempt. is it people though is it is it humans that are stopping other humans from going in there that are in the know or is it the whatever lives below stopping? No, no, no. It is the people in this. But you've got the Cold War. There was a Cold War that was really never a Cold War. It was about the Russians, and the United States, keeping the secret of what was really happening in the North Pole, and it was also that which caused the treaty on the South Pole because they had a fight with these aliens who live in the inner earth, and we, we lost our shirts. We lost a lot of soldiers, uh, and Admiral Byrd was part of that expedition down here, whether you believe it or not. So there's a lot of uh, things that happened. Even Hitler, 
and where the 50,000 submarines went. Well, they went to Antarctica. They built bases. So these Germans, you know, were uh, believed that they were part of the Hyperboreans, which is back in, you know, you know, medieval days or whatever, but they believed their lineage came from the inner Earth. So this is where things might be and where you may find them. As I said, you know, I'm a researcher. I follow some of this stuff, and I look to certain things, and if they don't make sense, I try to make sense of it and just share the information that I get. Uh, as a researcher going out, you got to go out and you got to experience. And luckily, I went out and experienced. I read over 100 some odd books that you can find and print about the hollow earth, the inner earth, and some of the things that they're trying to get out of newsprint that will give you information so that way you can start your own expedition or do your own search or give you areas where to look. I've done videos where I show talk about 150 entrances that I found into the inner earth. I've got the videos out there. There's too many now to mention. We're here at the close of the show. But people will have to research the body of work that I have, and if they want to know, it's there. You know, the difference with uh, knowing is knowing what to do next, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. If you don't look for the answers, you're not going to find them. You have to question what you're being told and realize that a lot of things you've been told in school is not correct. Well, you and, know, as and I've had a lot of arguments, too, with people, even when I didn't even have any of this information. I remember arguing with somebody uh, just because even a little tiny research, it just happened when I was studying something else. There was somebody talking about how, uh, you know, the middle of the earth is uh, it's nickel and it's this and that. And I said, no, 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 no. It's a theory. We don't know that. No, no, that's proven. And like, there's no way it's proven because if, and this is what I had read, if you go to the center of the earth and you go straight down, you go straight down and you're digging, in order to get down to there and keep going without it collapsing, the earth collapsing as you dig down, you got to... You got to make that hole bigger and wider and wider and wider. And by the time you would get to the center of the earth to find that so-called theory of nickel down there, that's what I remember from the story, um, it widens out. The hole is so wide that, you know, (laughs) forget it. You've cut out half the earth trying to get down to that. Now, and that's humongous. We could probably absolutely never do that. I guess you can't say totally because I guess we could. However, What I find interesting of what you spoke about was, um, and some of my other questions I have for you, because I want to get these questions out from you. You're the man. That's interesting that you talked about Noah. It's interesting about all the things that you read in the Bible, and you're like, what? Huh? What? And I also feel that we are the surface people. I really, truly do. And I've heard so many times, too, where people have gone to places, even, of course, the Amazon. There must be a gigantic hole there where they've seen dinosaur, where they've seen these things you're talking about. And even portals, even outside of Kentucky, outside of Mammoth Cave, Mammoth Cave, the large largest tunnel system out there underground, right? That yeah, I did a with, story about that. Cyclops. Edidorfer, yeah. which you yeah. led to, which is Edidorfer, which is, uh, if you, you reverse the letters, it's Aphrodite, who was in Anna, who was like the granddaughter of uh, Enlil, who was Anunnaki. So here uh. they are, the people supposedly who created the genetic race, they're living inside the Earth. Yeah. That's where they are. And then, you yeah. know what? The misfits are on the outside. <laughs> we are the mits, misfits. So I, I think you're right. No, I think you're right. We're the primitive ones, man. <laughs> I'm opening tonight, you know. You know, forget about going to sleep tonight. You know, just get pack my bag. <laughs> I love it. So let me ask this. I got to ask this. Okay, when you say hollow earth, 
All right. So, so I'm thinking, and really, I saw some crazy things recently in the Rockies, and I'm like, man, these things are underground. And anytime I've seen these gigantic areas of rock or mountain, I'm thinking there's something in there that has been that's 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 that dirt is over something. That's what it feels like to me. I'm just that's just my little theories, my little thoughts, my little intuition going as I see some of these things along the way. But when you so I'm thinking, okay, there's civilizations kind of like the ants build their little thing underground and then maybe, you know, uh, some other creatures or entities, uh, which, by the way, I think they're all way more advanced than us are down there and they have these unbelievable civilizations. However, the picture I see that you have on our website, coastcoastam.com, and all over your wonderful work that you have out there, um, it looks, you know, like you have the crust and then you just have this hole. So how does that work? Is it kind of flat in between and it's more of a gyroscope kind of thing? How, how, does, how does that work when it's well, hollow? It's, it's like, an, like an eggshell, you know, like the inner, the inner core like, is movable. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's not fixed inside. It's not solid planet. You know, it's, uh, it's a movable object that moves, and that's why the pole wow. is, uh, you know, always moving and never fixed. So, you know, without being in there, it's hard to describe anything. Olaf Jansen gives us the best description. We've got to go by Olaf to understand just the dynamics of what I've been sharing with you tonight. And then the next adventure will go where no other man has gone before, and he'll come on coast to coast next with for his revelation. <laughs> and maybe you'll interview. <laughs> I love it. I hope I'm with them. That is. I just think it's amazing. I mean, I. There's just so much underneath this. And I have heard before from people in higher situations along the way that, you know, even when people do have some clearances, they kind of shoot out stuff along the way just to look at you. And they just look you in the eye kind of thing. It's almost like, hey, I'm going to help you out a little bit. And I've heard many, many, many times uh, that the things that you see come from within. Well, as above, so below. I mean, where does that come from? What does that mean? You know, you know, is the glass half full? Is it half half empty? You know, you look at the thing and you realize, like even the movie, The Truman Show. What are they really telling you? You know, that we've been observed. The watchers have been observing us for a long time. They don't want you. this information. Who they are? They're the watchers. That's who they are. They are the watchers. They're controlling the. The elite, they're controlling the people who make the laws and who govern this country and who have this system created out. This is an old Anunnaki system, a capitalistic system, you know, set up to fail. And anybody who goes against the, uh, the existing paradigm, you know, uh, has to be very careful that uh, they don't become, uh, you know, uh, Someone who's put below the ground because of uh, their thoughts. I have uh, a website now coming up on YouTube called No Kool-Aid Served Here. It'll be a YouTube site. <laughs> because I want people to really, you want to go to my stuff, you won't get any Kool-Aid, but you will get the truth because I'm looking at this right now. Now that I've come forward with this body of information, of course they're going to go after the messenger, but that's fine because I can back up anything I say and I can debate anyone about any topic that I'm, I'm knowledgeable about because I will and, spend the time. Yeah put all the details together, and that's why I'm a threat, yeah. because I put sentences together. I make sense. I tell the story. I enunciate very well. My mother didn't raise me stupid, but my father, he sure tried. But in any event, <laughs> my point I... is you have to be a thinker. You cannot yeah. 
change, the only thing I can change right now, Connie, is who I am and my perception of the world. And my perception of the world is a lot different than other people. But I wanted to get people into the minds of Stefan Sindoni tonight to realize that I don't just blurt things out. I try to give enough information. But the question I, I leave all of you with tonight, why? Why the 1892 census? Why did Congress, the Senate, why did they have that destroyed? What is it that they didn't want us to know? That was not that long ago. That yeah, was exactly. not that long ago. And here's the thing that, that irks me is that, Although Jansen, though he was a Norwegian sailor, he became an American citizen. Mm -hmm. We did this to one of our own, you know. Maybe Norway locked him up for 28 years, but what do we do? We try to erase him from the records. Yeah, well, there you go. Something is known. So tell us where we can find you, Stefan, again, just real quick across the board. Well, the site we're talking about tonight, the information is uh, hollowearthexposed.com. Uh, I mentioned briefly about legends, so legendsandmystery.com, or if they want to learn about the uh, Stockton record legend that I solved uh, three years ago, they can learn that. Anybody listening, check out my, st my site, but look into it with an open mind, because the mind is like a parachute, Connie. It can only work when it's open. I'm open-minded to everything that I come across, because nothing that happens is bad. I learned this a long time ago. You know, Even with 28 years in prison for Olaf, Jansen, he found a way to create drawings and maps to tell stories, to relate to other explorers, what they encountered coming up to the North Pole where they could not get a true North reading and what he learned from the inhabitants of the inner Earth. Author Willis George Emerson did not make this up. He got it from Olaf, and the fact that I could find the ship captain, I can find Olaf, you know, migrating, emigrating here, becoming a citizen, finding him on the voter records of registration. The only thing I don't know is the man's shoe size. I got everything else. <laughs> so I know he exists. He didn't need a social security number for me to find him. I was, you... as I mentioned earlier, I was divinely led and creatively connected to be able to be you know, creative enough to make YouTube movies to tell my story, to be the storyteller, to spin it so no one could stop me and say, oh, you're not tenured, you can't tell that story. No, I can tell whatever story I want. And, you know, even cooler, Stefan pointed out that, hey, the author's name was Willis, and then you got Connie Willis. So I was added to the story. Thank you very much. Exactly. And I said to you, there are no coincidences. This is all synchronistic, just like in the story. It. I found him located living in Stephenson Street in Chicago. Well, what is Amazing. my name? Stephen. People want to call me Stephen. I go, no, no, it's Stephen. But I realized that this information came around for me to stop, pay attention, and write it all down and take the time and spend the years that I have compiling this because I want my body of work to be that people say, you know what, that man was a great thinker. That man gave us information that we clamored for, we wanted to know, but he put it all in one place, did it concisely, precisely, did it very accurately, and put all the facts in a row, his ducks in a row, and let this, the truth be told. And as Olaf Jansen said, and I will quote him, the truth is stranger than fiction. That was Olaf Jansen, Norwegian sailor, who later became an American citizen. So I think a national day should be given to Olaf Jansen for giving us the inner earth and now allowing us to say, okay, people, move out of the way. We're going to look, we're going to look for this. We're going to find this. And we're not going to allow you change laws or, 
or change or stop us and impede our progress. From Stefan Sedoni. Thank you so much, Stefan. We'll have to bring you back on again. Thanks, Stefan. Take care, okay? Appreciate that. I love him. He will be back again. He's got more to tell.